ዝምታ ወርቅ ነው has always um, percuted me if i can use that word so ዝምታ ወርቅ ነው translates to silence is golden mm-hmm. and i think it's a pretty uh, common uh, yes. saying as well but that all, that has always struck me because you know uh, is it really and mm-hmm. and and i like i like piercing it and kind of like you know pushing you know mm-hmm. yeah so uh, that, that that that's kind know. of always been um, something that stage Salam and hello everyone. My name is Lily Bakada Piper and I am so glad that you've tuned in today. Today is World Poetry Day and I wanted just to pause and slow down the show a little bit and talk about the beauty and power of poetry. Over the last many weeks we have been so grateful to have so many thinkers, writers, activists, you know, people from all across different professions join us on the show to share their stories and their passions. And as I've thought about and reflected on those episodes, to me the one thing that's really bound so much of their work has been this creative storytelling that they are able to do about the work that they have in their hands. And when I look across the continent, I mean we are storytellers, we are poets. It is a part of our DNA, it's a part of our culture, it's a part of who we are. I I can't think of hardly any culture across this continent that's not deeply embedded in storytelling, poetry, riddles. In Ethiopia we have this thing called Teret Teret Yelambaret, which basically like tell me a story, you know? And we find that across so many cultures. We have that here in Kenya too, Hadithi and Jo, right? You, you want to hear a story. And so to help me think about what poetry means, what it can mean and and the power and relevance it has today, I'm so very glad to have writer poet and playwright Christine Johannes join me here on the show today. Christine is very many things. Her her life and her work has spanned language and experiences. She is currently the senior writer for the End Fund in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, but she has spent many years at the BBC and was one of the people who helped develop the Africa Daily podcast for the BBC's Newsday program. In addition, Christine is a 2016 resident of the International Writing Program for the University of Iowa. And if you know that program, you know that it has been the home and the launching point for incredible writers from across the world. Truly an, an amazing accomplishment and Christine is one of has been the only woman that Ethiopia has represented at that program. In addition, Christine is the founder of Poetic Saturdays, a collective of poets and writers in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, who get together on Saturdays to share their written word with audiences and who have opened up that space for dozens and dozens of people for the last very many years. So I am just so glad that Christine is here with me today. We met a few years ago in Nairobi when she was putting up her first play called Total Destruction, and since that time she's put up a second play and has a third one coming out soon. In this conversation we talk about her life and her work growing up in Ethiopia, the work that she's coming into next and what's on the horizon for her, and we also do talk about suicide. So I just want to mention that as a warning for anybody for which that is a difficult topic. So without further ado, please welcome to Salam and Hello, the poet, playwright and writer Christine Johannes. Christine Karibu sana and kwanda namatash. Asante sana and kwanda nakoyeshi. So happy that I'm here. Thank so you. So happy Thank to have you here me. today. Um, you know, Christine, I remember seeing your work kind of circulating on WhatsApp, I think, when your play was coming up and 
as an Ethiopian in Nairobi, I was like, I have to go to the show. I was just felt immediately proud of the work that you were doing and the play was exceptional. And so as we start this conversation around poetry, I want to actually start with what brought you to that world? What brought you to poetry and playwriting as an art form? That's an interesting question. Um, so I am, I tend to be outspoken now as an adult, mm. but when I was a kid, I was very shy. So it's it's hard for people to really think of me as a shy person because <laughs> I'm always like forthcoming and talking and chit chatty yes. and stuff. But so I I needed a, a medium of expression. I needed a way of letting my emotions, my feelings, and you know, six year old emotions are very complex. They're complex <laughs> and many. Yes, very <laughs> complex. So I just needed a way out, and I must have been in second grade when one of our teachers. Then I'll never forget him. His name is Monsieur Idego. I uh, can't remember where he's from, but mm -hmm. Monsieur Idego ended up giving us a poem to learn by heart and recite in class. And I, I struggled, you know, like putting all the words together in my mind. But once I, I learned it by heart and once the recitals happened, I just immediately fell in love. And I was like six years old. Wow. And I realized that, you know, if there's a way of someone else's words you know, touching me that deeply, then there's a chance that I could do the same. So um, because I never spoke out too much, it kind of became an easy way out, like uh, an, an exit yeah. um, mode for my thoughts and my emotions. Um, and that's when I started writing. And it wasn't like, I don't think the words I used were, you know, profound. But for me in that moment, it was just... Yeah. A medium of expression. And poetry kind of just stuck with me. Um, and I think that, you know, the transition towards playwriting became, like, it came very naturally as well. Um, so if, if, um, if you look at, like, old plays that we were studying, like, in 10th grade or 11th grade or whatever, a lot of the plays were written in, in poetry format, right? So prose sure, or... sonnets. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of triggered my love for, for, for playwriting, but it took, so that was like a dormant, um, passion that mm -hmm. I had that took at least 10 to 15 years to, to surface. Makes sense. I yeah. mean, it sounds like poetry is shorter, usually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something a six year old could grasp, but then plays, you kind of grew into that art form. Mm. Totally. And uh, so when we were in like, I think 10th grade, uh, there was a there was a play that was in a in 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 poetry format that we that I ended up being like very involved in from, you know, um, putting together like a, a shorter part of like the script, like an excerpt of, you know, the, the play itself and um, learning the words, putting the play together and stuff and for some reason, I was so passionate about it, but I, I didn't really dive into it that much mm. until I think, so funny story, <laughs> until 2016 December, where I was in a 10-day silent meditation, the, you know, the okay. famous Vipassana meditations. Oh, I don't know it, but I'll take your word for okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. You decided to take 10 days to be silent. Exactly. The child who used to be shy, but now is chitty chatty, is taking a 10-day <laughs> Exactly, because I retreat. needed to go back to my okay. roots. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I ended up taking that uh, silent retreat, mainly because I had just lost my dad in 2016, mm. and I kind of needed time to reflect on the emotions. And 
Um, interestingly, um, so poetry has always been a way for me to put down my emotions, but outside of one poem during that time, there was nothing else I could produce mm. because, you know, my dad was my best friend and yeah. he's the one that actually encouraged me to keep writing because like from the time I was like six, he would be the one to pick up the little pieces of paper where I'd put down the poetry and, yeah. you know, we talk about what I had put on the poems, what I meant by this or that. And kind of like a therapy session, you know, yeah. he was he was pretty uh, cool as a father. So I, I couldn't produce anymore. And um, I needed some time to kind of like reflect and, and put the grief, of course, you know, in order and level my emotions and stuff. So I ended up going to uh, the 10 day silent retreat. And interestingly, what came out was not my dad's grief, but a breakup. So that's why I was saying it's a funny story. So while I was sitting there, the entire play kind of played in my head wow. from like beginning to end. So that was like December 2016. And was this the beginning of total destruction? This is the beginning okay. of total destruction. Okay. So that entire play, the one you saw, yeah. like from the beginning all the way up to the end with all the actions and the words and everything just birthed inside <laughs> of me, you know? Yeah, pretty incredible. And I kept it in my mind for like five years where every once in a while I'd replay it, never put it down on paper. Never, never wrote it down, but really? it just kept playing and replaying and replaying. And um, then 20, 2021, December, so like a good five years later, um, something triggered it. And mm. I just needed to sit down and, and put it down on paper. Yeah. And I absolutely needed to, to you know, develop it, produce it, and direct it. And that's when you saw it. And then here we are yes. having this conversation. Thank <laughs> yes. goodness. I'm so glad you did. Or else I don't, I don't know that we, we, have may, we may have met. Do you remember some of the topics of those early poems? What were you writing about? Uh, I was definitely mad at my mom a lot. So <laughs> very natural emotions, course, you know, they, for they a teenage get girl. Out. They have to get out. Yeah. Yes. And um, interestingly, like I, I never really wrote about love. And mm. I still, to this day, writing about positive emotions is something I kind of struggle with. Um, I would say that anger feeds me. Uh, at least like whenever I'm angry is when I kind of want to put my thoughts down yeah. on, on paper, you know, because it's either that or or boxing through a wall. And Listen, both of those are better than exactly. many other things that people choose. Exactly. Interesting. So, and, and my dad mm. did encourage both. Yeah. So I did take up boxing at some point, but, you know, we're talking about <laughs> Another poetry. Another podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, that's basically how I ended up um, getting into poetry. And... Um, I think uh, the the real uh, developing stage of me wanting to perform happened when I was um, I was abroad for my master's in France. So I, I, I that's where I, I studied at some point for like a very short period. But um, I had friends around me that were also like creatives on the side. So like engineers, architects or whatever. And we had... Um, a small studio space in the in the boarding residence that we were okay. at. And we would go there, you know, of course, with like, as as young adults do, you know, with like packs of beer and, you know, you're, because you're a creative, <laughs> yes, right? Course, like, sure. yeah. So um, anyway, so we would gather around and 
people would, you know, use the percussion tables or the guitar or whatever. And everyone was just doing just their thing in their, yeah, in their own corners. Yeah. And I went there once with like my poetry book and I just started reading there um, without a mic the first time. Um, and then the second time they brought a mic because they were like, we need to listen to the words, you know? That's awesome. Um, so that's kind of how I got into like the, the performing side of it. You've been lucky at many junctures to have people who have Definitely. sojourned with you. I think, I, I often think about how much we have lost when there's just simply somebody who, you know, is teased, made fun of, not encouraged, and then that art never is born. And and how beautiful that you had people along the way who kind of walked with you as you were, you know, finding your way. Definitely. To, to, I'm bring, to bring all these so grateful. Yeah. I'm so grateful. So let's talk a little bit about your your language expression. You mentioned mm. doing your master's in France. I've read a little bit about um, your own reflection on the fact that you had so many languages bouncing around in your head is one thing I read that really influenced you as a writer and as a poet. So let's talk about that. What has language meant to you as a writer, as somebody who's trying to express deep emotion through words? And, and what language do you tend to lean into most when you're writing poetry? Both very difficult questions to answer, mm. um, but I'll try. So to answer your first question, Lily, I think that language for me has made me the human that I am. Um, so as you mentioned, like I was exposed to multiple languages in the family. So the first language I was exposed to was French because of my dad. We have French origins on one side of the family. And then um, Amharic, of course, because I was born and raised in Ethiopia, um, my, my first tongue was French though. Okay. So, uh, cause my dad was a French teacher and you know, all of that. Um, and then Amharic came in, uh, within, you know, the school setting as well, where, um, I remember, I think I must've been like four when I was exposed to the Amharic alphabet, uh, the Giz alphabet okay. in Amharic when we were learning in school. And I just found it fascinating cause I kept seeing, animals and yeah, symbols, you know, like it's art. so beautiful. Yes, beautiful. And I was just fascinated, yeah. but I was not really good at it at the beginning. <laughs> and because uh, it was just a lot of alphabets and letters yes. to, to just memorize and, and, and learn, you know. And, and I'll just say here for those who have never seen the Giz alphabet, it is hundreds of characters. We yes. were talking about this before the show. I think I did the math. It's like over 500 characters, oh 76 rows. You said times seven. So over 500 characters in our alphabet. So <coughs> not the 26 letters in the, you know, typical English alphabet nope. here. So, yeah. So that was a lot for a four-year-old. <laughs> That's a lot. You know? That's a lot for anybody. <laughs> That's a lot for me. <laughs> so I wasn't really good at it. And, um, you know, me having gone to a French school, um, it was a lot easier for all of us, you know, when we're like during break time in the in the compound of the school, just talking kind of like dismissing Amharic, you know. And everyone would, or most people would, repeat things they heard in their mm. homes, you know, where it's like, oh, it's not even going to allow you to cross the continent. You you can't even use it outside of Ethiopia. So, sure. you know, and 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 things like that. Sure. And so I think I must have repeated one of those stupid sentences mm. at home. And mm. um, my dad sat me down for a proper, you know, talking to mm. because um, for him, language is communication. And so I don't remember the entire conversation, but I'll never forget it because that allowed me to see every language as a tool that I can utilize to speak with people and 
and get along with people, Absolutely. share food with people, you know, just heart-to-heart conversations, even if you don't like master the language, yeah. it's an important icebreaker just to Definitely. be human with other Absolutely. people. So you were saying earlier that, you know, anger can sometimes inspire your poetry. Is there, of your language library that you have, is there a language <laughs> that you tend to lean into first when you're starting to write poetry? Um, I think it depends. It really depends. I don't have a go-to uh, language. I think English ended up being my go-to language because it kind of became a universal language, sure, you know? Sure. And um, I, I want my poems to be able to touch and reach as many people as possible. Mm. So I'll, I'll tend to write in English, but I, I write in all the languages that I, I speak, at least I try, except for Italian. Because uh, okay. I never learned Italian in, in school. So I can communicate with people and, you know, grab tea and, you know, mm. just your basic, yeah. you know, communication and stuff. But I don't think, um, I don't think I'm comfortable enough to write poetry in it yet. Same, I can't do it in Swahili either. But it's a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> but so, no. yeah, so I, I, I think it really depends on, on what sparks, you know, mm. that, that emotion. That moment, yeah. The, 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 where the anger stems from. Uh, but yeah, I think I've written a lot more in English, mainly because the platforms I get invited to, just like this one, for example, sure. tend to be in English. Yeah. And um, yeah, so okay. I, I tend to write more in English, but not because it's the first language that, like, language that comes to my head. Well, what you say about platforms is really important because it does remind us that if we continue to only have the English platforms, then as much as it can be far reaching, then also who are we missing too, you know? True. Because like you said, you're born and raised in Ethiopia. We share Amharic in common. I wish I could conduct this interview in Amharic, but I don't think I'm confident enough to do that, you know? So, um, but speaking of poetry, why don't we hear some? Okay. This seems like a good time to pause and hear some of your poetry. <laughs> so Christina has told us that, you know, her poems tend to be long. So I think we're going to do half of a poem now and a little bit later as well. So Christine, why don't you introduce the poem to us? And Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, but before I do, could I reflect on the last thing that you just said? Please, sure. Um, so in terms of like the platforms, for example, you're right. Um, which is why um, it's not a shameless plug, but that's why I created Poetic Saturdays. Um, yes, because, we need to talk about that. Okay. Please, so we'll, let's say more about it. No, yeah? let's, let's okay. say more. This okay. is a perfect time. Yeah. Um, so when I moved back to Ethiopia after my studies, I, um, I lacked a place where my poetry could sit. Mm. So there were... So I didn't create the first poetry platform for Addis, right? Sure, and sure. it's not the last one either. But so there was an existing Amharic-only platform, which is still very famous, the Tobia Jazz mm -hmm. uh, poetry mm -hmm. uh, sessions that happen at, I think, Ras Hotel or something. Okay. Um, and then there was the, they used to call them Jams Addis, at okay. what used to be Jams Restaurant, um, only in English. So for someone like me that writes in both, sure, I either needed to choose between going on that Wednesday to one place or the Tuesday in one place or the other. And it was just, hmm. I, I couldn't, you know? And at the same time, it didn't feel like my poetry or my poems would be welcome even in Amharic at the existing Amharic platforms, mainly because um, I'm not known as an Amharic poet or an Ethiopian poet, mm. at least at the time. Uh, so anyway, um, I thought if I don't create the platform for people just like me, then 
I won't exist. We will miss it. A whole you yeah, know? population, of course. So when we started Poetic Saturdays, um, I say we because I had the idea, but of course I couldn't do it by myself. So I ended up approaching a friend of mine, Hannah Haile, and then Chris uh, Turnbull Grimes, an American who writes in English. Okay. So it was the three of us. We sat down and I was like, listen, I've already spoken to a friend who's willing to give us the restaurant space. Mm. And it's ours, you know, for as long as we need it. And why don't we just start this thing? And they were like, okay, of course, like, I'm not going to fill four hours of, <laughs> you know, space with just my poetry. So we started with the three of us. Uh, it was hard to fill four hours with three poets. So we ended up reading back-to-back -back poetry. We had maybe, so we were like seven, seven to ten people in total okay. in the room. And how did you get the word out? How are you letting people know? Just friends, friends you know, and, and I mm. think at that stage, it's hard to say we got the word out because we were only like seven or ten in the room. Sure. So we just told people, listen, we want to do this thing. Just come, you yeah. know, have food yeah. there. I mean, you have to eat sake. anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to eat anyway. So right. come to that restaurant yeah. on that Saturday. And they came. And a month later, we went from like 10 people to 20-something people. And from three performers, we had like seven mm. performers. And then that Ashi restaurant, I don't think it exists anymore. Um, the owner, Sami, was just oh, amazing. Um, the space just couldn't hold us anymore because we were like 50-something before amazing. we knew it. And we ended up moving to Fendika. Uh, okay. Malaku ended up giving us the space. Okay. And um, that's also how young people started discovering Fendika, you know, yes. because the poetry space was really geared towards like the youth. And what a fantastic space Fendika is. I mean, beautiful. just so important right now. Yeah. 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 No, beautiful. He's done an amazing job. Amazing. And we collaborated for, you know, a pretty long time with him as well. And we ended up start like we ended up doing it at the um, at Fendika. And I think by the fourth month, we had like a hundred people, over a hundred people. And we had like close to 30 people wanting to perform where All when we started, oh poets. my God, oh yeah, my exactly. So when we started, um, I was like adamant about no entry fee, you know, mm. um, all languages welcome, all age groups welcome. We had um, people from like five years of age to 80 something attend. Some of them perform. We've had random languages like Wolof, German, Fantastic. Dutch, you know, yeah. like it was just so yeah. beautiful. Um, we've had um, Yosef, a, pen, a painter that uh, paints with his mouth because of disability. Mm. Uh, so it kind of ended up being a space just for everyone, you know, and that was the idea. Like, I, I love people. So it was just everyone is welcome. Come as you are, just like the McDonald's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm loving come. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like, come as you are. And uh, yeah, that went on for, it's it's kind of still going. It's a mm. bit dormant right now. There's a lot of poetry um, branches that came out of Poetic Saturdays, like Gutam Sitam Saifa Tamam, who was like one of our main poets at Poetic Saturdays. Everyone just, you know, and, and that's beautiful, seeing people empowered enough to kind of branch off and do their own thing and doing it so beautifully as well. Definitely. So, yeah, Incredible. I think the, the the platform is important. Uh, but something else I wanted to touch up on is the, the confidence. I think um, I kind of feel the same with my Italian sometimes, but it's mainly because of how other people perceive you trying to communicate in that language. And 
I don't think a lot of people are uh, encouraging or empowering when it comes to languages. It's almost as if you've got to be, you know, fluent and you can't have an accent or, sure. you know, like it's just... It's a very judgy like space. It. Very judgy very space. Very judgy and, space. And, and I hate that. And, yeah. and I've had to do a lot of work on myself to kind of, you know, uh, break that barrier and be like, I don't care what you think. Yeah. Even if I'm going to butcher this thing, I'm going to speak it. Good you know? You. Yeah, Good but for it's you. still a work in progress. It is. It is. And when it's your identity, like, you know, if you're an Ethiopian and you're trying to speak your mother tongue, what, whatever of the many mother tongues we have mm. at home, it could be, and you don't feel like you do it well. I mean, I, I've seen... In the diaspora, for the, my experience, a lot of people shying away from even identifying as mm. Ethiopian or Eritrean because they didn't have a l command of the language. And so yeah. it really, really is deep-rooted in your identity. And so I hope that we're getting to a point where we can be more welcoming. I hope so. Um, I had a recent experience with the, not myself, but a, a family member who was not able to participate in a program because it was Amharic only. Oh, wow. And they were just like, there's just no space for it. And I was like, that's what a shame because she's quite excellent at what she does and her platform and Amharic is not strong enough to have been on that show. So they're just like, well, you just can't be a part of it. And mm. We need spaces, of course, yeah. that are language specific, and and there's. I'm not saying we should have only a space where, um, you know, it's multilingual all the time. But I just think that, uh, particularly Habesha culture, there's some things yeah. we can work on around being a bit more affirming, especially in the diaspora. For sure, I think For at sure. home it's a bit better, but at, definitely in the diaspora, there it runs deep. Yeah, yeah. and I think. Deep. Just the basic understanding that language is just a tool you use to communicate. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like that's it. I'll tell you a funny story after you read your poem. Okay, about okay. I'm stalling. My father's in Amharic, yes. <laughs> this is a favorite uh, for a lot of people. Um, this poem I'm about to read. I usually, I don't like titling my poems because okay. I feel like, um, well, first of all, it's, it's not as short as your regular, uh, I, there's no such thing as regular poetry, but it's not, I don't write short poems. Okay. Uh, because it's a lot of complex emotions that need to come out. So one pagers, two pagers, you okay, know. Okay, like, I yeah. like it. <laughs> so, um, and, and usually there's a lot in there, you mm -hmm. know, and I've, I've always felt like if I title them, I'm limiting how people will perceive it, mm. right? So uh, I don't title them. Um, I, I Funny story, uh, again, I'm not going to, we divert too really, much. You really doing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, I can tell you later. But okay, let me no, tell no, you okay. now. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so the first, the first poetry collection, my first and only poetry collection, I published in 2015. Uh, it was a collection of ten, ten of my favorite poems at the time, and um, I didn't title them. And I and I realized that when I when I saw like the first, um, the first. Prototype? Can I? Yeah, the first sure, draft. Sure. The first draft of the book. I realized that people would get confused because you wouldn't know where one poem would start right. and where the second one yeah. would go. Yeah. So I was like, and I'm not going to title these poems. I don't want to title them. So I was like, let me number them. Let me number them and let me color code them. So okay. every page was a different color okay, like just that. so people could yeah. find their way around the poetry book. But yeah, so this one doesn't have a title. No like title. All my Does it have a color? It does, well, no, 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 because okay, no, it's color. not part of the book, but okay. right now it's black. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll just go with that. Black is beautiful. Okay, okay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> My hair is not a rebel. Trust me. It sleeps when I tell it to, stands and rolls on my order. I can make it hard, thick, just as much as I can make it soft to fall on one shoulder. 
It does what I tell it to do whenever I tell it to do it. It is so obedient that once I give it the order, it won't change for shit. And in all honesty, sometimes it's too much to handle, so I simply let it be. It's a part of my essence. Encrypted in my DNA, it's a part of being me. I stand before you today, a determined voice, not a crack in my throat, to tell you that I love my hair. Dismissing my story based on the basis of I, according to you, have good hair is not fair. This black weight on my head has a story all its own. Had it been decades ago, would have gotten me disowned. And it's not like shit's changed, because what's good fucking hair to begin with? When you tell me how nice it looks, but teach me inadvertently to contain it. My hair is not a rebel. It's an army of warriors with my ancestors' blood written on each strand. Mm -hmm. Ready to go to a war it didn't ask for, yet faithfully awaits my command. It's the forest that muffled the death of my ancestors on both sides. It beats the heart of great-grandmothers that would not be taken for free rides. It is a pack of wolves ready to take on a child as their own. It is a black panther that watches over me so I don't stand alone. It is the bear that dances with me, that guards from the cold to keep me warm. It is the calm Dead Sea collecting the souls of my ancestors for the upcoming storm. It is the vultures flying over my head pointing towards the fire. It is the night sky that boasts the full moon it doesn't retire. It is the snake, the spider, and everything in this world that is not right. It is. It is. Can't you see it is nature in all of its might? Ooh. I have chills. I have <laughs> chills. Christine. Wow. It is a panther. It is a bear. It does not leave me alone. Where did that come from? Do you remember the imagery, though? Yeah. From, um, oh, uh, the Jungle Book in English. Yes. Yes. yes the yes. Jungle Book. So if you remember Mugli at some point, well, not at some point, but like he's got the wolves that took care of him. Mm. He's got the panther that's yeah, his guide and yeah. the bear that's his protector and the vultures that flew ahead when the fire yes, had started yes, in the forest yes, when yeah. the tiger, Shere Khan, was coming. Anyway, I, I love animations. So um, your hair is that <laughs> that for you? This All of that. This shield, yeah. this companion, this protector. The guides, the ancestors. Yeah, yeah, the ancestors. All of it. That's really powerful. I... Just had our friend Salam on the show mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago talking yes, about hair. Yes. So I'll have to make sure that she sees this poem. What a beautiful anthem to black hair and black women and not just women, but all, all, all genders and identities because it's so true. It is it is a part of who we are yeah. and, and roots back all the way to our ancestors. Thank you. I know there's more to that poem, so we'll come back and hear the rest uh, as we go on. You know, on your um, YouTube channel, you have um, all these poems and you, and you do talk a, a little bit on there about what inspires them. You've talked about anger being sometimes a yeah. source that uh, guides you, and and we've talked about language and how much that can move you this way or that. But I'm curious, though, between all of the languages and the poetry, you know, for you, is there a part of particularly Ethiopian folklore or storytelling um, or, you know, even our own riddles that are part of our culture that, you know, comes to you often or that is kind of for you a constant inspiration or a favorite? I'll go with favorite. Okay. Uh, because, you know, my inspiration's come from everywhere. Uh, in terms of folklore, uh, I was raised by my great-grandmother. So when I say raised, of course, my parents were there. Sure. But um, my great-grandmother came to our house when I was born, and she ended up going back to her house 18 years later when I became an adult. <laughs> wow. So I was super, super close with her. Yeah. Uh, I have a poem dedicated to her in the old collection, but I'll share that with you. Please. Um, so that, that was my... 
uh, source of, of folklore, you know, because, you know, the tarat tarat, the, yes, the fables the and yes, yeah. Yes. So all of that was how we used to pass time. Remember, yes, like earlier we course. were talking about playing in the garden with flowers and mud and all of that. And I am grateful that having been, you know, uh, raised in a city, I had that, um, I want to call it, you know, village experience because my great-grandmother was there, because my great-grandmother was a village girl, you know? Mm. And um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the source of the, the folklore. Um, but storytelling specifically, it's thanks to her that I got so attached to storytelling, no matter what format it yeah. takes, you know? Because she always had stories to tell. Mm. And... Because of her now, I've got a lot of stories to tell as well. You know, like, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on this platform, but my mom is always shocked that, you know, teenage things, that um, some of my friends and I used to go home just to smoke weed with my great-grandmother, you know? And I don't think anyone great can grandma. say great-grandmother. My, my dad's grandmother, you know? Who so knew? Does, my mom knows this. Yeah, yeah. Not, no, this is no, not new no, information. No, no okay. it's not new information. We have a very transparent relationship <laughs> in the family. Everyone knows everything. It's, you know. But at the time, of course, we did it um, secretly. Yes, yes. But she was part of those, you know, uh, stories for me. And so um, thanks to her now, I'm also a storyteller, mm -hmm. you know. And I, that's where it stems from. Uh, now to answer the favorite uh, saying... Zimmeta um, Workano has always um, percuted me, if I can use that word. Okay. So Zimmeta Workano uh, translates to silence is golden. Mm. And I think it's a pretty uh, common uh, yes. saying as well. But that, all, that has always struck me because, you know, uh, is it really? And, mm. and, and I, like, I like piercing it and kind of like, you know, pushing, you know, mm. yeah. So, um, so that, that, that's kind of, kind of always been um, something that stayed. I've never heard it in the Amharic. I only know that phrase in English. Oh, so thank you for that. Oh. I don't know. I'm going to say that to my children <laughs> tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your playwriting. So we mentioned Total Destruction, which was your first play yes. that put up. But then you put up a second play, No More, No Less. That was in 22? 2022, 2022. Yes. You have another play coming up. So tell us a little bit about what's happening with you in the playwriting space and what we can expect to see from you coming up soon. Okay. Um, so playwriting, like I mentioned earlier, is like the newest addition to my writing exploration. Mm. And uh, it's a jungle I really like uh, because it is a jungle. Uh, there's a lot of like industry stuff that happens that, you know, affects you even if you don't really want to be affected by it. But I digress. Well, I actually want to understand what yeah. you mean, though. What do you mean industry stuff? You mean it, poetry? Well, my what I would take from that is that poetry is a bit more singular. You can mm. kind of control it more. It's you and the page. And now with the play, you're inviting others into your art space? Yeah, yeah. There's that. And then, of course, there's like, you know, um, industry politics, okay. basically. like. Okay. Because there's not 10,000 spaces that you can access. And so who gets access to those spaces? And, mm -hmm. you know, the actors that you have uh, on your lineup also matters. Of course. Um, and, and just, you know, all of that. But I'm a new playwright, so I don't, I don't think I, I can speak about that just yet. But it just feels like it's a lot more complex than poetry because mm -hmm. of, you know, the reasons sure. you mentioned. And yeah. uh, more importantly... I have had the pleasure of, you know, performing on international stages through poetry. 
because I'm just one person and, you know, there's not like costumes or gear that you need to carry sure. with you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, I've been trying to take my play to Ethiopia for a year now and it's just complex. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, so, yeah, so the third one is on, on the way. Um, we are preparing for it. Uh, the script is almost ready. Um, it, I, I like talking about social issues, you know, uh, social issues that can impact the communities that we, you know, that mm -hmm. we live in. So the first one, if you remember, it was about cheating, yeah. abortion, um, and, and also transparency in relationships that, yeah. in my opinion, have kind of been thrown out the window because, I don't know. Anyway, so I think people should just watch the play to understand just, what just I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, No More, No Less, uh, was about more specifically about mental health. So in the first play, if you remember, there were allusions to yes, definitely. Um, mental health in general. And then No More, No Less was about, you know, um, what happens in people's minds. Um, and, and that's something that I wanted to put out and, mm. and, and thoughts and ideas were depicted by actors, you know, like individual actors. I see. Uh, it, it, I'll make sure you watch it. Please. But mm. um, so the reason why I wanted to do that was because I wanted to create the opportunity for people to learn to understand each other. Uh, before jumping into conclusions or judging each other or mm. dismissing each other. And like, mm. you know, this whole like, in my opinion, stupid cancel culture yeah. that just doesn't really make sense because, right. you know, we're all like complex beings with emotions, trauma, upbringing, backgrounds, yeah. just all of that. Yeah. And we can't be the same, you know? And For sure. that's really what I wanted yeah. to put out yeah. there and how like there, there can be a strain on people's mental health when you're constantly worried about what other people are going to do mm. or what they're going to say or how they're going to perceive you, you know, like, and at some point, everyone is just living for what others right, think right. And rather than… authenticity fades away exactly, very quickly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's really yeah. what I wanted to touch on, yeah. the, the second one. And then the third one, um, initially, I had planned to um, kind of dive into, you know, the 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 human nature of competition and sabotage and and all of that okay. specifically within okay. the, the 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 theater industry and while we were in the process unfortunately uh someone um committed suicide mm -hmm. uh I, I should have given you like a, a heads okay. up sorry okay. uh but yeah and then it made me realize that especially because of all the conversations that were happening around it, mm. it made me realize that's something I want to write about because it wasn't the first person around me that I heard of or mm. that I knew, you know, mm. and, and especially that person being a, a man and the rate of, of uh, male suicide kind of, you know, tripling in the past three, four years mm. in, in Africa, specifically in, in yeah. Kenya as well. Uh, I don't have the specific numbers, but I looked it up at the sure. time and I was like, oh, this is like significant. And yeah. I want to write about this because yeah. I feel responsible to put out work that speaks to that so that people can be conscious enough about 
how this could happen and about what to do after it happens. So you can imagine that, you know, like any death, the speculations, the gossip, yeah, the, the course, yeah. it was just But what tumultuous. a delicate uh, issue, because I don't think we talk m- much about mental health and we certainly don't talk much about suicide in African cultures. Yeah. It's not something I think we have enough language around. So now when you're in the process of even casting and, 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 and you're in the development process of that play, how are you kind of putting together the right team to handle this subject? Because I can imagine that you really need the right people to put that message out there. Yeah. Um, that story. For yeah. sure. I think the the language would make it easier because I, I intend on producing it in Kenya, so it's going to be in English. Okay. And I think there's enough vocabulary around it, even to be careful sure. not to trigger people. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also very conscious of, you know, uh, what I depict in the play. So... Nothing visual, you know, uh, nothing that directly alludes to it with like sounds or or within the sure. dialogue either, because yeah. I'm trying to prevent. I'm not trying to, you know, add, add on, if that makes sense. Yes, of course. So there's that. And then for the team, I had tried from the beginning. So from the first play, I had tried to carry the same team with me, mm. uh, which I did for the second play as well. And this time around, because it's such a... It's such a profound subject, you know, and it's very hard for a lot of people. And two of the actors stepped out, okay. um, you know, understandably. Sure, sure. And and I, I did put out the option out there. And so now I'm working with a um, a smaller number of people, but I, I want to make sure that people that want to talk about this can also be a part of it. So... The last two weeks of March, we're going to be putting out an audition, um, okay. at least for two or three roles for the play. Great. Um, and we're auditioning everyone. So even the team that I had is going to have to audition just so everyone is like on a fair, uh, okay. you know, starting point. Um, so that's the plan for the last two weeks of March. Um, April, we'll start rehearsals. And I won't be in Nairobi. So I've got uh, two people that are going to help me with it. Um, and last year for the second play, we had also taken our rehearsals online. So via Zoom or, you know, Google Meet or whatever, because do what you gotta do timings, these days. exactly, yes. you know, and, and thank God for technology. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we managed to do most of the rehearsals for the second play online, okay. virtually. Okay. So I, I want to do the same thing now where the team can still get together physically because, you know, physical Um, get-togethers are still very important when you're trying to put out something like this. And um, so, yeah, uh, that's that. And then April, May, preparations, you know, costume set, actions, script, all of that. And hopefully by between like the second or the third week of June, we should be able to put something up. But we don't have a specific date because, you know, we're still... In the starting phase, yeah. But where can people follow or find information? If people listening to this want to audition, where can they find that information? Um, Right now, um, we have a... Ooh, um, we we have an Instagram page. It's called The Team Tough. Um, But... The, the name and, and, and how the team was composed is going to change drastically. Okay. Uh, but I think if they just, if they follow our Instagram page or even if they follow me. Okay. 
um, they can They'll find, find me. Okay. Yeah, Christine we'll Johannes. Yeah, we'll link yeah, that in the show yeah, notes. Okay, yeah. cool. And I think you know we'll we'll be able to share all awesome. the information. No, we'll, we want to make sure people can follow up and find you and find your work. Thank you. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up, I've um, you know you've been at this for a few years and have had both the experience as a, in traditional journalism. You worked in the BBC for many years. You've now spent you know time creating poetry collectives, writing plays, putting together casts. You know your experiences kind of span many different kind of writing genres. What what do you say to other young people in the creative space who are starting off? Because as you said earlier, it's not yet a profession where you can ensure that you're going to have financial stability. It's not yet yeah. a profession where you're going to have you know benefits. And so and yet I find that creatives typically are burning with creative energy and find it hard to go into a typical field. So what would you say to young people who are considering the creative arts or the writing sphere and to help guide them as they start to make some of those early decisions? I say go for it, you know, and uh, don't don't allow anyone to box you in any category or in any uh, space. Mm. So like you said, um, my the different boxes I ended up ticking along my journey, I did them simultaneously. It's tiring. It's really exhausting, mainly because, like you said, the space doesn't exist for us. Uh, right now, I, I, I am employed as a writer, you know, and I feel like that change is slowly coming. Like, sure. uh, whether it's through, you know, poetry, press releases, plays or whatever, whatever I write has now space within an organization. And I think that that corporate culture is also changing that people are understanding that storytelling is very crucial absolutely because yep. you can have the data but if you're not putting it together in a way that's palatable for people to consume then it's pointless for you know sure. you can throw as many numbers as you want you're not going to get anywhere so i think that the the space is definitely changing uh but definitely don't like allow anyone to box you in like i never started off as a journalist right like um i had the most unconventional path to where I am today, where, you know, I ended up going through administrative management and international trade, logistics, and and then communications, marketing, PR, and, and then journalism, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And but all the while I I still held on to my pen where, you know, I was either like putting out poetry on YouTube. I don't have a lot of followers. I'm not looking for followers, but I just wanted to like Put you, my you work wanted out to put there. it out there. I think that's you know? key, actually, yeah. for a lot of creatives. Create. Yes, create. Like, first of all, know? just create. Keep creating. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And and I I I sometimes get questions like, so are you a journalist? I'm like, no, I'm not a journalist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'm a poet either. But I write. You yeah. know, and and I I I love writing, because um, like lately I've been asked to introduce myself. Uh, to a few people and I'm like, you know, I guess I write for a living and I write for fun. Mm. You know, that's 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 what I am. Yeah. But I guess, I don't know, it's um, just stick to it. You know, yeah. like if you know in your heart that that's what you want to do, like don't get boxed in, just do it, put it out there, share. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also like reach out, you know, like I'm not unreachable. Like yeah. um I can be found on LinkedIn, Twitter, or whatever, and I'm I'm okay. happy to help whoever you know. That's like, very kind of you. You're going to get people. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. No, really, because we need more. You, you know? do. We yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's that beautiful colors. painting, you know, of the man reaching over the wall, and the name of the painting is "He Ain't Heavy." Have you seen yeah, that painting? No, yeah, no. the idea is, yeah, just reach back, pull somebody along with you. So thank you for that. That's a generous way to kind of 
capture your advice to the to the next group of, of creators right behind you. Thank you. Um, so let's hear the rest of the poem. Oh, I think right. we have to hear the rest of the poem before we, we wrap this conversation. My hair is not a rebel. I can curl, twist, braid, cornrow, and iron straight flat. I can throw up or let down, and I ain't a fucking dog that you can pat. I can put it in a bun, shorten, and even make it longer if I fucking please. So when I come with a lion's mane, don't fear it like it's some kind of disease. It ain't sick, it ain't ill, and it sure as hell not disobedient. So don't go behind my back talking about how crazy my hair is because it ain't lenient. Easy going by whose standards, though, because I didn't get the fucking memos. You must be judging the craziness of my hair based off of Garnier and Pantene marketing demos. But listen, why should I subjugate my hair to heat to make it look clean? Mind you, I said look clean. At this point, it doesn't matter if I don't wash for weeks as long as it doesn't look mean. Why should I feel uneasy about the texture of my natural hair for your comfort? Our type of hair you de-beautify with makeover shows Jerry Springer and cops. Our type of hair you contort. My hair is not a rebel. It has every right to stand against the oppression you put it under. It has every right to run, flee, attack, and fight back, but never surrender. Because it is a sign that it not only has a mind of its own, but a heartbeat. It bleeds each time it is scorned and refuses to be imprisoned to undergo heat. Because it remembers those that have been burned alive to their difference. Breathes freely for those that have been strangled, hung, and killed for their resistance. It resists. In every form I make it morph into because it's the only way it fights capitalism. It capitalizes on its ability to be okay with itself and break free from the ism. Simply put, it refuses to be named the good hair or a rebel. So it regularly trims away every single imposed label. No, my hair is not a rebel. My hair is not crazy. My hair isn't uncontainable. No, my hair is not impossible. My hair is not a petting zoo. My hair is not unstoppable. No, my hair is not resistant. My hair is not imposing. My hair is not an empty flattery. No, my hair is not a war zone. My hair is not a fight. My hair is not angry. No, my hair is not a rebel, but I'm not my hair. Mm, that is not how I thought you were going to end. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, where can we find that in print? Where can we read that? Is there, other um, than your YouTube where you're, you are also reading it, is there a place where it's in print? Where we no. Not no. yet. Let's just say not let's, yet. Okay, let's say not let's yet. Let's say not okay. yet. Hopefully soon. Oh, okay. that was beautiful. Thank you. Powerful. But you can find it on YouTube, like you yes, said. Yes, yeah, you can yeah, find it on, on YouTube, and we'll make sure we link that in the show notes Thank so people you. can find it. So we always ask our guests two questions before we let them go. Okay. So we did not prep you for this, but these are easy. <laughs> Should <laughs> I be scared? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Christine, what is your favorite drink? Ooh, that's a tough one. See? You got me. See, yeah, you were nervous, but oh there was really no need to be nervous. <laughs> I don't even know what to pick now. Okay, let's say your favorite daytime drink. Let me let me give it to the daytime before five p.m. Are there rules about that? No, no, I but just be for you. <laughs> now there's a rule. There was never a rule before this episode. <laughs> um. Wow. This is hard, huh? It's very hard. That means you like beverages. You're a beverage person? Yeah, I'm a liquid person. You're a liquid person. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. More than definitely. food, you're going like, to be the person with multiple beverages. Liquids and yeah. dessert. Ooh, cake. Ooh, okay. You should have asked me that. I love cake, so oh let's my do God. cake. Let's okay. do cake because okay. I'm a cake person Okay, too. amazing. Okay. Favorite cake? Chocolate fudge. With what kind of icing? Chocolate. All, all what chocolate. kind of filling? Chocolate. Garnish is chocolate, chocolate, chocolate through overload, through through through. chocolate okay. overload. Where can you find the best chocolate cake in Nairobi, oh would you God. say? Let's just say no. it because I have my opinions. No. There's only one good chocolate cake in Nairobi. No. Yes. Don't do this to me. Yes. Just say it. I'm going to tell you if you're right. 
No. <laughs> I <laughs> can't I think do this. the only good ch- chocolate cake in Nairobi from like, you can get it fast if you're not ordering from a caterer. Java. It's Java. The Java chocolate cake. Yes. It's the only one. Yes. It's the only one. Yeah. I was scared to say it. Yeah. Every other place is either dry, the frosting's not right, something is off. It's Thank only you. Java. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I like it. You put a little twist on my drink <laughs> question. I like it. And my last question, hopefully this is even easier than the last. Hopefully. What is bringing you joy? <laughs> what is? Bringing you joy. What Whoa. is bringing you joy today? On a daily basis? Any t- however you interpret it. See, this is what's wrong with having poets. They're so deep. <laughs> Normal people just answer. They have a quick answer. Poets are like taking it so deep. They're taking it metaphysically. It's hard. <laughs> what is bringing me joy today? Yes. What is, bring, what is bringing me joy today? What is bringing me joy today? What is bringing me joy? This podcast. Oh, being cool. here, for sure. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll without without a heartbeat. I know it took me a second to answer, but it did. But sorry, uh, we can no, edit no, that today, out. I needed I needed to connect. <laughs> you know, I needed to connect with myself. But definitely today, I um I was really excited to 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 be here. Mm. <clears throat> I uh, technically kind of uh, sneaked out of work. No one needs to know, but we're announcing it. Um, yeah, so I, I really, really wanted to be here. And I, I can't Thank wait to you. see and hear the final product and, yeah. you know, just share it Thank you, uh, with my mom first and foremost. Because um, I didn't tell her I was coming here and oh, she'd be really pleased. She's, she's always Hi, been mom. a cheerleader. Yeah. Hi, mom. Oh, thank you for that. That's so... We're grateful because we don't take, uh, I think time is everyone's most precious commodity. Yeah. So when someone gives us our time, we just feel so grateful. So if this has brought you joy, then I'm so satisfied. So thank, thank you. you for that. And thank you for being here and sharing. You know, I think I, I continue to be amazed at the way the arts connect us. You know, yeah. I met you when you did your play and you were so warm, so gracious, just, you know, open armed. And I just um, continue to see that in every place that I meet you. And oh. I just pray that open arms greet you and find you Amen. wherever you go. Thank and you. Thank and you so much. And I look forward to seeing this next play. So thank can't you. wait. Can't wait thank for you. June. We'll be there in the front row. Thank so. you, Lily. But um, thank you. Thank you. Inyam, I'm a second. Inyam, I'm a second. <laughs> so listeners, we will link to all of Christine's work in the show notes so you can find her poetry, so you can follow and maybe audition for her play and find her work. And I hope that you will celebrate World Poetry Day today with some of her work and other poets across the continent. And we would love to hear from you. So please reach out, lily at salamandhello.com or on our socials, salam and hello. It's simple. It's the same every time, but salam with an E. And of course, course we want you to rate and subscribe and review the show it always really helps us out so until we see you next time take it easy every time you smile summer in your eyes i i i don't ask me why i'm by your side you keep me alive you keep me